from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. From Studio C. See, you Dimly lit room where deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty communications compound. And today, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, National Soup Month. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the freaking COVID, although it's incredibly important. I don't want to furrow my brow and talk about January 6th. I've been in a foul mood since the day we, the moment we came back to work. Because of just media and the news. So I'm talking about soup today. Jack, you can talk about anything you want. How about chowder? What sort of clam chowder do you like best? New England or Manhattan? I'm a New England guy. We'll take your calls. Which one's the white kind? That's the New England. Manhattan's a bastard chowder. Please, the clams in Manhattan, clam chowder, are ashamed. Big finish here. could talk about January 6th for the entire four hours and all the uh, the different tentacles of it easily. I know we're not going to. One, you would not be a willing participant in that conversation. How uh, about vegetable soup? So much more than vegetables. But I definitely could. I took in a couple of podcasts uh, between uh, yesterday and today uh, from um, various outlets on the right. So these are all people of the right. And it was a really interesting, their level of disagreement around the whole January 6th thing. All from punditry on the right. I mean, the left is all unified in one thing, right? All Republicans sure. are racist nut jobs and Fascists. Exactly. Intent on overthrowing democracy. But yes. on the right, there's all different views. And uh, uh, I'm a big fan of the Dispatch podcast. I highly recommend it to anybody. If you like this show, I think you'd like that podcast. A bunch of smart people with different points of view on the right discussing things. But, I mean, they got angry. <laughs> each other with their their different points of view on the whole thing and uh and and what what I took from taking in a lot of this coverage was uh my position like a lot of people's is unique in in that you know I'm 60% of this and 40% of that and 10% of that and hey don't forget that part right uh, uh there 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 are a lot of different ways to look at the whole dang thing and and I look forward to discussing that to a certain extent I I would agree completely yeah my uh my half joking uh, disgust at the very idea of discussing it is because of and I need to be better at, uh, I think I usually am I don't know maybe it's that we're just back to work and I'm I'm still feeling tender and uncalloused but uh, what what disgusts me is that it's a really important interesting complicated as you were describing uh set of events that absolutely merit careful consideration discussion people getting together trading points of view and coming to terms with everything that happened blah 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 blah, blah. but it's become such a tribal signaling shouting of slogans back and forth and i've got to be better at ignoring that we'll just come here and do what we do but uh, you know just the the whole it was people just taking walk through the capitol that's the people's house no, they were just walking through the capitol that's insane that is insane. It's absolutely insane. And the idea that every single person there was a fascist intent on overthrowing democracy is insane. You know, there's a lot to it. 
So, yeah, if you want to get into it, I'll get into it. You use the word tribal, and we and everybody else have talked about this a lot, and it's almost tired, but you cannot. We've, we've, we've got a mental problem as a country, and it's infected all of us. It is so hard to break out of the idea that if somebody, and I know it's going to happen today, because I know what I'm going to say, and I know various things are triggers for various people, but there are we're all built in such a way now that if we hear a certain phrase, oh, you're one of them. Okay, now I have I've I've pigeonholed you as one of those. I know everything you are, and I do not agree. And I, I hate the, you. I, and I hate you. And you're yes. wrong, and you're destroying America. <laughs> I mean, and then and, and it's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for everybody to break out of that. Taking in a, a, a comment of any kind, a radio show, an analysis, anything, and think, oh, they're one of those people. When it, that's not when we all know that that's not the way the world works. Yeah, I would say in media though, a lot of those people are doing so intentionally. They're pandering. They're they're making yeah. it clear which tribe they're in. That doesn't and, make it easier. And and one of the most interesting things we've discussed in the past couple of years is the fact that if you are trying to signal your tribe, if you signal like a, a subtlety, like I believe in uh, fewer regulations. Well, you might be in my tribe. But if I signal something outlandish, you know, something QAnonish, then you know for certain I'm in your tribe. Yeah! And so there's a tendency for people to go to the extremes just to make sure everybody knows that they're, you know, on, on their side, my side, whoever. I can't remember what pronouns I was using, but I'm reminded of a, a shirt I was sent by, I think, a, a, one of our beloved listeners uh, of Donald Trump holding an AR-15. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly who he's going to shoot with it. As far as I know, Donald Trump has never held any sort of firearm in his entire Manhattan life. Uh, but somebody sees that T-shirt, they know precisely what tribe somebody's in. It's that sort of feel. Uh, so I think we'll probably talk about this a couple of times. I want to I want to do it when we've got space, because if you don't have space, then you're kind of trapped in a couple of sound bites that can't get fleshed out. So Right. And there's very little of this that's simple. Honestly. Oh, God, I'd say. Uh, but I do have one overarching statement I want to make after we start the show officially. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Thursday, January 6th. The year 2022, we are Armstrong and Getty. A new you in 22. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. <laughs> well, I'm told there still is an FCC. You wouldn't know it, but uh, we'll follow the rules and regulations explicitly and begin the show at Mark. KFC is about to launch its new plant-based fried chicken. Come on, KFC is never going to be healthy. You know that famous picture of Colonel Sanders? He's 27 in that. <laughs> I like that joke. Here's my overarching point. I think that January 6th, a year ago today, was unfortunately a point on a continuum that started a long time ago of where we're headed towards uh, dissolution in this country. That's what I think. I don't think it was a one-off By racist Trump supporters, I think it was a point in a continuum that we, almost alone in America, had been talking about since the very beginning of Trump's presidency. Because it got no national coverage when Trump supporters were attacked on the street in San Jose. We're the only Uh, people talking about it. Right. The tolerance of political violence. The tolerance of political violence. And I think think it was a point on a continuum. I hope I'm wrong, but that's, that's my biggest concern. 
it's worth hoping that uh, not only that incident, but the riots in the cities and the rest of it, uh, because we, we the people, I'm looking at uh, all of our ideological uh, friends out there, we got virtually no representation in the mainstream media, the legacy media, when so much of the political violence was happening. We were acutely aware of it, and we were fired up about it. It could be, ironically enough, that the, the January 6th thing slapped the lefties who were secretly pleased with the violence and, and made them realize, oh, violence, right. I, I don't know. Who knows? The, the the actual tides that move history are frequently very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not they're, gra- they're not grand ideas and brilliant uh, leaders. There's no indication, by the way, by the leaders on both sides that they're ready to stop with the partisan. We can score points on this rhetoric, even with what happened on January 6th. Right now, as we speak, Kamala Harris is, is speaking and Joe Biden's about to step up to the same podium. We'll have uh, highlights a little bit later, but all the um, uh, leakage of what he's going to say is he's going to lay the blame at Donald Trump and give a partisan speech and not a come-together speech. And so everybody's continuing to try to score points off of all these things, and as long as point scoring is the only concern anybody has, we're never going to get off this continuum, I don't think. Yeah, you could uh, walk stem to stern Washington, D.C., port to bow or whatever. (laughs) I I don't know a lot about boating uh, and and find very, very few patriots. And Washington, D.C. is not a boat, so it's a difficult... It's a metaphor. It's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, yeah, there are very, very few patriots. They'll stop using those tools when they stop working. There's so much money at stake. It's all about money, my friends, and power. It's not about the Constitution and the flag and the things that you love. It's not about the Bill of Rights and, and, and July 4th, 1776. Don't be freaking naive. You trust these people for a single second. I'm talking about both parties. That makes you a fool. Sorry, I'm feeling a tad cynical today. Uh, um. Uh, anyway, I do want to talk to a lot about this in detail, and I, uh, I just know that I've got things uh, you know, to, to the extent that anybody would care that will please no one. So, <laughs> how does mailbag look? Oh, it's actually quite good, and, and mentions the KFC story in humorous fashion. Okay, yeah, uh, and you can always text us and get the conversation rolling at four one five two nine five KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Joe Biden speaking right now. I'll look forward to the highlights. Um, I'd heard it's going to be a pretty partisan speech, but you know whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. I want to wait and see. But I hope it's not. Well, so far, he has disappointed greatly all of us who thought, okay, you know, he's always been a fairly moderate guy. He's uh-huh. had uh, Republican friends. He's going to try to bring people. No, he's been the opposite. He's been Obama again. He's been, you know, Harry Reid. Uh, so we're going to talk about January 6th and uh, all the things around it here at the next segment of the show. So I hope you can stick around for that. I'll be interested in what you uh, agree with or don't agree with or all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, at some point we'll be talking about COVID. We've got a cold going through my house. I'm almost certain it's a cold, but mm. I don't know that because you you can't get the real tests. This whole conversation around tests is so weird. There's a shortage of tests, yet everybody's pretty much come to the conclusion that those instant test things are worthless. Right. So why why are we all being encouraged to use them? 
Well, and the data would suggest that the Omicron is very little threat to almost right. everyone. Oh, yeah, not to mention the fact that even if you test positive, who cares? Yeah, I'd almost rather have Omicron than a cold. With all due respect to a few people who have the, the long hauly thing and like months later still can't taste things normally, right. that sounds terrible to me. And, and I certainly sympathize with you folks. But, I mean, colds make you miserable for 10 days. The Omicold, like three, you know, for the vast majority of people. I just, I worked through the looking glass here, people. I picked a hell of a month to quit drinking. <laughs> here are your freedom-loving quotes of the day. I came across a, a great collection of, like, New Year's-themed quotes, um, but it was a short week this week, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with several right now, then we'll move on to mailbag real quickly. Uh, this is from somebody I don't know, but they said, your present circumstances don't determine where you can go. They merely determine where you start. Mm. Remember that, my friends. Uh, George Eliot once wrote, it is never too late to be what you might have been. Think about that. George Eliot, who's a she? I always have to remember that. Um, Is is, is she, is it a transgender thing? No, uh, it was a pseudonym for whatever reason. I don't remember. I've I've read it a hundred times, but I don't remember why. Um, But say that, what did George Eliot say again? It is never too late to be what you might have been. Hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, Great baseball player? It's too late. Uh, <laughs> other things, though. And finally, I don't know Kristen Kroik. Do you? K-R-E-U-K? I do not. I don't know. Life is about change. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's beautiful. But most of the time, it's both. <sighs> yeah. 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 Sometimes more one than the other. See, I, a lot of these sayings work better when you're on a high note. <laughs> And, like, whenever things are going kind of good for me, all this stuff about, you know, you learn the most when you're in adversity. That's when you learn the most about Well, you find <laughs> right. out your true character when you're going through the tough times. Or this too, this too shall pass. All easy How to say. How about you shut up? All that stuff is so much easier to say when things are going right in my life. But, like, right. the last six months where things have been crap, you, you hear people saying, it's like, shut up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I absolutely heard that. Although I will tell you, and I've told this story before, that uh, the the one radio class I took before I got into the business, um, the uh, the guy who taught it was very explicit. That he said, "Listen, um, you're going to work for no money for a long time, and it's going to be really rough, and you're going to have to grind." And so when that happened, I thought, "Okay, it's going fine." You know, it's it's realism, but mm-hmm. I, I certainly get your point. Mailbag. So uh, we'll get back to mailbag in just a second. Joe's microphone is going all crazy on us. Um, Joe Biden is speaking, as uh, we mentioned, and uh, I'm not going to make judgments about Joe Biden's speech until I've seen some of the particulars because I've just read um, people guessing about what he's going to talk. But it looks like uh, that he's taken a big swing at a partisan speech today, which I think is the last thing we needed on the anniversary of January 6th. The absolute last thing. To uh, to try to get past this and, and, and turn the ship around and start going the other direction. But we'll bring you the highlights when we get the chance. Okay, uh, moving along. Uh, Tracy writes, hi guys. Sorry for the gendered language to k- k- talk about <laughs> politics. Are you guys not going to bring up Joe Biden saying let's go Brandon during his Christmas call-in show? Right. Really? Right. Wait a minute. Joe Biden had a Christmas call-in show? Oh yeah, we 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 could talk about that later. And there's one part of it that made me very very angry. This this 
Republican guy who doesn't like Joe Biden laid into him when Joe Biden was saying nice things to his kid during this little Christmas thing that I thought was completely freaking out of line. Completely uh. out of line. And getting back to the whole partisanship, my side, your side thing, that's just, I don't know how we break out of this. I really don't know how yeah, we do. But yelling anger. at an old man who's being nice to your kid on Christmas is not cool. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to skip that. It's too serious, too angry. Uh, you know, I'm going to skip that because it's great, but it's too long. Moving along. I saw KFC is coming out with a plant-based chicken, says Matt in beautiful Macomb, Illinois. I wonder what the market for meat-based vegetables is. Yeah, I'm a vegan. I eat veal, broccoli, and foie gras cauliflower. Let me tell you about how it's changed my life. <laughs> yeah, I want uh, I want meat-based vegetables. That's that's what I'm looking for. I want uh, I want uh, celery that's made out of pork, tomatoes that are made wow. out of turkey. I want more meat, less vegetables. Bacon, lettuce. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mendocino Gentleman Farmer writes, toward the end of your show, you guys commented on how countries are going back, going back to using military force to change international borders. I know it goes against the U.S. establishment narrative, but those rules went out the window during the Clinton administration when the U.S. and NATO used military force to change the borders of Serbia violating international law established after World War II. That was noticed by Russia and China, especially after the U.S. put a bomb through the window of the Chinese embassy. Georgia, Ukraine, Crimea, come on, wake up, essentially. I'm summarizing. So this is kind of breaking news. Teachers in San Francisco planning a sick out for today to protest having to go back to school and teach kids, similar to what they're doing in Chicago. Fire them all. We're going to talk January 6th next. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A year ago today, it started happening about the time we got off the air, and it was, uh, I don't remember if it was still at the radio station or in my car driving home when the words from someone, they have breached the Capitol, they are inside the Capitol. Uh, reached my ears and then thought, holy crap, where is this going? And as I've said many times since then, I think if you run that experiment a thousand times, you might not get as little loss of life as we ended up with that day. It's a miracle that not more people were hurt. Yeah, it was plenty ugly. It was plenty ugly. And man, you watch those videos of those cops fighting for hours there in like a medieval trench against these crazies. Um... It's amazing the sacrifice they were willing to make to try to stop people from getting in that building. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Uh, And if you're just tuning in, we were discussing last segment uh, how we were going to discuss this segment and how it's become so knee-jerk, tribal, it was nothing or it was akin to Nazi Germany. Those are the two narratives. And, and we're not going to go with either of them. I, we have our own points of view. I was happy to see this from the Wall Street Journal today. This is Carl Rove writing an op-ed. There can be no soft-peddling what happened and no absolution for those who planned, encouraged, and aided the attempt to overthrow our democracy. Love of country demands nothing less. That's true patriotism. I was happy to see that sort of thing out of Carl Rove, who is a Fox fixture, obviously. Um, I don't know what order to make these comments in, so I'm just going to roll with mine, and then uh, Joe can either 
disagree, agree, or do his separately, however you want to do it. Oh, um, gee, thanks. I'm allowed to have my own opinion here. Oh, good. Sorry, there's no need for that. <laughs> have at it. One particular thing that bothers me that I hear a lot is that we nearly lost our democracy that day because of that. That is a silly notion. If those people had gotten in there and killed Mike Pence, which I believe they would have, I believe that the most violent of that crowd, if they'd have gotten their hands on Nancy Pelosi, Mike Pence, or AOC or something like that, I think they'd have killed them or badly wounded them. I really well, all believe that. all it takes that. is one person sure. with that intent and uh, the opportunity. I think yeah. that would have happened. But even if they had killed Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence the next day, maybe in a different building, maybe in a different town, Congress would have certified those uh, votes and Biden would have become president. So the idea that Trump was going to end up president because of a violent mob in that Capitol on that day, I just think is is silly. Yeah, I read an editorial uh, the other day, the point of which was that we almost lost our democracy. And, uh, and, and they said Mike Pence absolutely did the right thing. I agree completely. I think he was a hero that day. Uh, and if you don't like it, man, that's fine. Um... Uh, but the point of the article was, what if Mike Pence had not done that? Yeah, what it, that's what I was leading up to. Okay, go ahead. The, go the, ahead. the violent part, the smashing windows, the wanting to hang Mike Pence, all that sort of stuff was not going to stop it. But if you've been following this more closely and reading some of the legal arguments that were being made, and Peter Navarro, who was leading Trump's campaign for it, he gave an interview to Rolling Stone a couple of weeks ago. He says that the riot got in the way of their plan. Ted Cruz and a couple of others had proposed a couple of things on the floor that were part of the plan. And if Mike Pence had gone along with it, we would have had a serious constitutional crisis. And I've read a lot about this from a lot of different points of view, but it would have been a real problem. The Supreme Court could have weighed in, but they could have also said, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that we make this decision. It's Congress. And we all know where Congress is in terms of how many people are going to go this way or how many people are loyal to Trump or whatever, and then you end up with the back of the stage. If Mike Pence hadn't held firm, we would have been in a serious, holy crap, what is happening to our country moment. But not because of the violence. Right. My my only disagreement with that article, which I thought was thought-provoking, was that it listed uh, all of the backstops to deal with the chaos. And I emerged from reading that thinking, you know, I think those backstops would have worked and they would have worked pretty well. And I think a lot of people who take A, who get a lot of votes, B, make a lot of campaign cash, C, get a lot of media appearances by chucking the real out there stuff. I think they would have pulled it way back at that point. You know, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm optimistic. I think you would have seen a whole lot of people all of a sudden remember uh, why they're really there in D.C. I think that um, if Nancy Pelosi had done what she should have done as Speaker of the House and had articles an article of impeachment drawn up the next afternoon and voted on it by the end of that day, and it had just been dereliction of duty by President Trump, I think Trump would have been impeached and removed from office. Like 24 hours after they stormed the Capitol. She decided not to do that for political reasons, which means 
she wasn't that worried about the government or concerned about America. I don't know what it means, but it was a heck of a partisan move. Yeah, she wanted the issue, not the impeachment. Do you remember Lindsey Graham the next day saying, I've backed this president enough, enough is enough, that whole speech? Do you remember Kevin McCarthy laying the blame at Trump's feet? Mitch McConnell saying that 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 he can't stand by and allow this to happen as president? There was enough momentum, even among the, the leaders of the Republican Party, that next day, if she had gone with a broad dereliction of duty, I think Trump would have been impeached and removed from office. But she had no interest in that. She drug it out for weeks. She wanted it to be as close to uh, inauguration as possible for all kinds of political, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, the way things look. Um, uh, 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 right, yeah, 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 I get it. To optics. T- optics, for optics reasons, and uh, she wasn't serious about it either, which, which just shows you where we are, which shows you where we are with both parties. Everything is a performative game. Every single aspect of everything is a performative game. I don't know when that ends. I don't know if it ever ends. I don't know if it will either. I just think the the zillion websites, the, the hundreds of blog, thousands of bloggers, the the omnipresence of information and opinion now means that you've constantly got to be playing that game because everybody is exposed to politics who has the slightest interest in it all day long. If they, if they want, if they have a tolerance for it, in a way that human beings have never been subjected to. And so the way you practice politics has changed a great deal, and we're very, very bad at it. I mean, from the fundraising point of view, we're very, very good at it. From the point of view of the health of the republic, it's a disaster. Getting to the whole continuum thing that we meant, that I mentioned earlier and I think is definitely a part of this, if you look at just January 6th, sure, you could come to the conclusion that Trump supporters are right-wing crazies and all this sort of stuff. But if you're going to look at over a period of time, over a period of years, as political violence has grown and grown and grown in so many different ways, whether it's the very Antifa rallies or the tearing down police stations during the George Floyd riots or everything that was going on in Portland and Seattle and all that well, sort of stuff. Remember, they had to put the president in the bunker. Uh, in 2020 was it, or 2019, as they were torching the, the the church in Lafayette Square and the rest of it, there was a terrible violence, and and various sides excusing their own violence. Everybody on the left excusing all the violence of the left. Along, if you don't think that factored into January 6, I think you're crazy. I, if you don't have Antifa rights, if you don't have people uh, uh, setting federal buildings on fire and getting away with it all over the country. A hundred nights in a row. A hundred nights in a row, if you're talking about Portland. If you don't have all of that stuff occurring and being excused by the media, I don't think January 6th happens. I really don't. Nope. And, and, oh, no, conflict. And that doesn't excuse the violence. So Nancy Pelosi did draw up an article of impeachment where she talked about Trump inciting the riot, which gave an out to a lot of Republicans, which I think she did on purpose because she wanted Republicans to have a a vote um, uh, against impeachment that she could try to hold against them in future elections. I'm not I'm not sure that's going to make any difference or work uh, in any way. Right. That was the strategy, clearly. But so I didn't, even though I, I'll, I'll say, I, I know a lot of people hate this, but I, I would have voted to impeach and remove Donald Trump if you'd had the broad article of impeachment of dereliction of duty. Him watching television and allowing a crowd 
to run into the Capitol with the intent, I think, of killing the vice president and whoever they could get their hands on, and certainly the intent, you can't even argue this, of stopping our government from doing what it's supposed to do. Him just standing by and, 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 not, and not caring about that and not coming out and trying to stop it, dereliction of duty, I would have kicked him out of office for that. But the article of impeachment she went with inciting the right, no, politicians say the sort of things he said in that speech that morning all the freaking time. Right. Right. So uh, just a a quick note to the audience. Uh, You can let down your tribal armor for a minute here. You're among friends, okay? If you're all aghast at what Jack just said, I would remind you that among the people, among the very few people who agree with that take about Trump on that afternoon, not say we know he didn't say go burn the Capitol. We're fully aware of that. We're talking about the actions as it got crazier and crazier. The people who agree with Jack include... Trump's chief of staff, his entire cabinet, and all of his family, they would all, given the opportunity to tell the truth, agree completely with what Jack just said. And Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. And Mitch McConnell and and Kevin McCarthy and Lindsey Graham. Everybody recognized, as that was going on, that it was unbelievable that the president hadn't come out and tried to stop it yet. It is unbelievable. Now you're going to hear all day long today. All day long, virtually every uh, media outlet, that every single person at the Capitol is every bit as guilty as the most violent nut job. That's crap. Yeah, it is. absolutely crap. You're right. And you're sick of getting attacked. You voted for Trump. Therefore, you're as bad as somebody who tried to smash a cop's face. That's stupid. And we get why you're defensive. 100%. The fact that then the next day... Nancy Pelosi made the political calculation. I'm going to try to see what I can gain electorally from this. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. It it it, sh- it shows me that we have very few people at the top of our government that have the nation's interest at heart. Oh yeah, that's absolutely true. I I would say uh, try not to be amazed by it. Try to fully like take it to heart and comprehend it. That's how cynical our great and powerful leaders are. One thing that could change this conversation a lot is if we have a close election. If Trump wins a close election, you going to tell me there ain't some sort of violence from the left? Oh, it's it's 100% certain. Or if Trump had won this close election. Because it was a very close election. Mm-hmm. If Trump had won, you going to tell me there wouldn't have been a whole bunch of we're not accepting the uh, the results? Come on. All oh, right, right. Yeah, there's a long history of Democrats not accepting electoral results. Calling foul. Hillary herself did it over and over and over again. Yeah, 100%. I feel like we're in no better position than we were a year ago in terms of uh, um, derailing the momentum of something even worse happening. Uh, for a close 2024 election. What do you think? I, I wonder. I, I think that's absolutely true on the left. Um, I, I think conservative America is probably a little more sober, although you have to remember, it was a big rally that day uh, before the events at the Capitol. Um, and there was a large crowd of people there at the Capitol but in a nation of 330 million people, there are, you get more people at the College World Series than than were there that day. So, 
That doesn't represent nearly as much as people would have you believe, generally for partisan purposes. Well, did you see the poll that came out while we were on vacation? And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was shockingly high. 30-ish percent, roughly the same on both sides, that say political violence is you know, okay at this point in our history. Yeah, yeah I did you, see that poll. You don't need that high a number of people that are into political violence. As I've talked about several times, I, I learned this from reading a whole, I got on a French Revolution craze a while back. You only need about 15% of active revolutionaries to, to overthrow a country because you, and this fits in perfectly with today. You got the people that are willing actually to lay down their lives in crackheads, and then you got a big chunk of people that are kind of with them, and then you got a big chunk of people that are scared of them and willing to stay silent. And that, mm-hmm. and that's how you get over as a minority group that's willing to, uh, to be violent. And we're talking about either side. Either side. Either right. side. All right, we ought to take a break. Um, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Talking about moving the Super Bowl. Never done that before. Um, from L.A. It's supposed to be in L.A. Because L.A. has football teams again. Um, went from zero for a long time to a couple. Uh, but anyway, uh, they're going to move it to Cowboys Stadium. They might do that because concerns that Omicron is going to settle in on Los Angeles. So. Well, uh, more specifically, it's that California is in full paranoia, irrational, anti-science uh, state. And that they'd rather have it in Texas so they can have the freaking ball game. Because it's going to be so miserable to try to run it in California, I, they're not going to yeah. bother. I always forget that that it's the uh, it's not, uh, all these different things. Like if you hear about a basketball team where a bunch of players didn't get to play, it, it sometimes it's an NBA rule, but sometimes it's just locally what the rule is in the county where the stadium is. Right, right, exactly. And for the thousandth time, we're not discussing covid we're discussing COVID policy. Yep. The kids weren't kept home from school because of COVID. They're kept home from school because of government policy. Don't, 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 language matters. That's one thing the left is better at. They wouldn't be so sloppy as to say the kids were kept home by COVID unless they were getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. So Anyway. Well, we were discussing January 6th. The events of a year ago are unique, kind of reasonable, middle-of-the-road, make-everybody-angry take. Uh, the president, evidently the lunkhead vice president, was invited to speak, which seems strange since she has a constituency of no one. Her own husband is uh, campaigning behind the scenes for her to be fired. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so she evidently blathered nonsense, and then the president got up to speak. Obviously, we're doing this show while that's happening, but I assume President Biden has on this occasion, the anniversary of the ugliness, January 6th, he's, he's taken the occasion, taken the advantage of it to bring us together and issue a, a nonpartisan patriotic message. Do we have that clip? We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest 
is more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. And because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution. Wow, the guy's been out of office for a year. Boy, that's an interesting way to handle it. Uh, make it a personal attack on Trump and make it all about Trump as opposed to, um, as I've been talking about this whole hour, a continuum that we've been on of not accepting election, elections and, and accepting political violence. And rather than come out and say, we cannot accept political violence, just, you know, broad stroke, this was the worst of it, but we had been blah, 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 leading up to it, this, that, left, right, attacking Portland, all of it, right. and, uh, and, and say we just cannot accept political violence. And we need to start accepting election results unless there's a reason not to. And rather than say that, make it all about Trump and the the web of lies. What about the web of lies for four years about the whole Russia thing and the not real election and Hillary Clinton refusing to accept that Trump actually won, which he did? Or or uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia. The myth still lives on that the election was stolen from her because the left is so in love with that lie. Those web those webs of lies which could lead to violence also don't matter? Come how on. About, how about the reasonable, according to freaking everybody, voting regulations in Texas and in Georgia, which were characterized as Jim Crow on steroids, right. where, where people were lynched and burned alive for trying to vote. How about that web of lies yeah. that encouraged violence? If I have an ultimate point today, it's that neither side seems to have any interest in arresting the direction we're headed. Which is dissolution, I think, unless we do something before we get there. Unless we wake up and smell the suicide. Lincoln said it. We can only tear ourselves apart. Nobody else can defeat us. Armstrong and Getty.